As Gil mentioned last night, the the theme or the talks on this retreat are going to explore certain aspects of the Satipatthana Sutta, not in the kind of looking at the entire teaching, but more looking at what is mindfulness and how does the teaching, the text of the Satipatthana Sutta encourage us to establish mindfulness. See if I can get the popping out. And so there's a, and in, in addition to that, we'll also explore how that establishment of mindfulness supports understanding, wisdom, insight, and freedom. And so as Gil mentioned, we'll be talking about this, what's called the definition portion of mindfulness in the Satipatthana Sutta and the refrain in the Satipatthana Sutta, this portion that's, that's repeated many times. And so this evening, I'd like to um, talk about a part of the definition section. In early in that sutta, within the first few paragraphs, the Buddha describes Satipatthana, this establishment of mindfulness, in a few sentences. And in that, he uh, talks about particular qualities or aspects of the mind that um, come together to support what we would call right mindfulness or wise mindfulness, the kind of mindfulness that moves us in the direction of happiness, ease, peace, freedom in our lives. I'll read that section. One abides, observing the body as a body, ardent, fully aware and mindful, setting aside covetousness and grief for the world. And then that phrase is repeated four times, once for each, what, what, we, what we can call the establishment of mindfulness. There's body, feeling, um, mind, and dhammas. And so one abides observing feelings as feelings, ardent, fully aware, and mindful, setting aside covetousness and grief for the world. So I'd like to explore part of that sentence tonight looking at some of the different aspects or qualities that support this establishment of mindfulness. The first thing I want to talk about is mindfulness itself. That's the kind of uh, framing of the entire uh, text, the Satipatthana. Sati means mindfulness, or is translated as mindfulness. And so what is mindfulness? As Gil said last night, it's, you know, it seems so obvious, I mean, Mindfulness is generally understood in the culture these days. We have all kinds of um, injunctions to be mindful, to practice mindfulness, different kinds of therapies that include mindfulness and different um, 
practices, stress reduction that includes mindfulness. So it seems like everybody knows what it means. But uh, as Gil said last night, the more that I practice this establishment of mindfulness, almost like the more mysterious that the quality itself of mindfulness is. There are some words that evoke this quality of mindfulness. Awareness, being present, observing, witnessing, witnessing, and then some ways of speaking perhaps about what that awareness or presence does connects with experience, allows us to be with experience. Feel into experience. All of these things kind of touch what we mean by mindfulness. And then there's the aspect that we often speak about with mindfulness, that we Um, We know what's happening while it's happening. So my sense or my understanding is that this capacity of mind, this capacity that we have to be present, we are sentient creatures But our sentience is of a particular kind. There are, you know, sentient creatures. um, Snails have a kind of sentience and fish and dogs and cats have a kind of sentience. There's a knowing. They function in the world through this capacity to meet their experience and respond to the world. That's a kind of a sentience. But our sentience has this capacity to know itself. And this is, this is what I think mindfulness is related to. It's a human capacity. It's an ordinary capacity of our minds. It's not something uh, that only happens if you start practicing meditation. It's a, it's a functioning of our minds. And in some ways I think that the Buddha recognized this capacity, this sentience that can know itself. He recognized the value of it and pointed to the, the, the value of cultivating that capacity, but cultivating it in a particular way Because as a capacity of mind, as a capacity of our human experience, this capacity can be used in so many different ways. And in fact, in the in the in the Pali Canon, in the the suttas, there is a distinction between what is called wise mindfulness or right mindfulness and wrong mindfulness, pointing to the 
um, the fact that this capacity of mind can be used in different ways. And so just an example of this, an example of how it might not be used in a, in a skillful way. A thief going through a house may be extremely aware of themselves, very present for what is happening, taking a great deal of care to move carefully and quietly through the house. So there is this cultivation of this capacity in that situation. But the purpose to which that capacity is directed is greed. It's not directed towards freeing the heart and mind. It's not interested in what is this experience that's happening in this moment? In the case of the thief, the interest is in how can I use this in order to get what I want? Perhaps without being caught. And so that's this, this functioning of mind being directed in a very different way. And so the Buddha pointed to turning this capacity in a direction that will help to free our hearts and minds. And so there's a particular perspective that he encourages cultivating with this mindfulness. And to me, this perspective is kind of embodied in or encapsulated in this sentence that I read. It, it, it contains the sentence, one abides observing the body as a body, ardent, fully aware, and mindful, setting aside covetousness and grief for the world. It, Im- it, it encapsulates and it contains the perspective that mindfulness needs in order to free the heart and mind, to come to an understanding of what will lead us to peace and ease. And a way to frame this perspective, just at the, at the outset, uh, one way to frame this perspective is um, that we basically need to, with this capacity of knowing what's happening while it's happening, we need to direct it towards recognizing experience that's happening in the present moment as experience that's happening in the present moment. That may sound like nothing. It sounds like just a a tautology. It sounds like it's just, of course, if there's experiencing happening in the present moment, you would know it's experience happening in the present moment. But that is not our usual perspective. Usually when there's some experience happening in the present moment, we are more interested in kind of what's out there, getting something or getting rid of something or having, having the... Uh, the relationship with experience be to hold on to and get more pleasant experience and to get rid of unpleasant experience. That's not interested in just the simplicity of, oh, this is pleasant experience arising. Pleasant experience is happening right now. This is unpleasant experience arising. 
unpleasant experiences happening right now. That is a different perspective than we usually bring to our experience of meeting the world. And that's a way to look at this perspective that the Buddha encouraged us. Recognize what's happening as something that's happening in the present moment. And so this perspective that the Buddha offered encapsulated in this phrase points us in the direction of freedom, of understanding. And so I'd like to talk about some of the other words here. See if you can kind of feel into this quality So the first word, one abides. I love this word. Even just hearing the word, what does it evoke? If you let that word drop into your being, abide in this moment. Abide. The word itself In the Pali, this word, this translation, abide, is it seems to be a, a fairly good translation to me because the word it's translating is viharati, which means to dwell. It's based in the word vihara, uh, uh, which is the word for home or dwelling. And the word abide also has that quality. Sometimes the abide, abode, these two words are connected. And so there's this encouragement to find a home in our experience. Find a home in awareness. To me this word abide, abide knowing the breath. Abide knowing the body evokes the sense of receptivity of experience, of resting, of relaxation, of intimacy. And so it seems to point to a kind of a relaxed, receptive quality associated with this attention, associated with this mindfulness, this capacity to be present in the moment, be present and rest. And so this points to a support for us in practicing mindfulness. There's exploring relaxation. This is a 
really supportive part of practice, I think, the beginning perhaps with just checking in and relaxing the body. In my experience, as we relax the body, there's so much of a feedback between body and mind. When the mind is tight or tense, it tends to feed back to the body and the body becomes tight and tense. And if the body is tight and tense, it feeds back and the mind becomes tight and tense. And likewise, if the body relaxes a little bit, it can be very interesting to just explore that, relaxing the body and recognize that relaxing the body helps the mind to also relax. So we, we explore relaxing the body, relaxing the mind, One thing I often encourage at the beginning of a period of sitting or um, especially at the early part of a retreat is to consciously kind of scan through the body and relax. Notice those areas or places of tension and relaxing the body. And then also checking in, perhaps there's a way that the mind can relax. When the mind is not relaxed, it tends to be kind of caught in past or future or caught in thoughts of the present moment. And there's analogy, an analogy that Gill has offered that has so resonated for me. He offered it many years ago. I don't know if he still offers it, but I love it. So I keep offering it. Let's try it right now. So. He suggests, just so if the body, relax the body a little bit. And, and then, as if the brain were a muscle, maybe the brain can relax. And that can give a sense of what it might mean for the mind to relax. And as the mind relaxes, as the body and mind relaxes, there can be a very natural kind of capacity to be present. So we don't have to do this presence. It's actually there when there's relaxation. And so we can begin with that, exploring relaxation and then seeing. Is there awareness? And so this brings in the quality of not pushing or striving or doing, trying to do mindfulness, but more settling back and allowing our and our organism our organism knows how to be aware our organism knows how to do this and we can relax and let our organism do the work we don't have to try so hard sometimes and so this is a, an interesting delicate balance between relaxing and um, allowing 
the mindfulness to simply be there and maintaining some alertness. That's another word in this phrase I'll get to in a moment. So abides, one abides. One abides observing the body as a body. One abides observing feelings as feelings. So this word observing is pointing us to a connection with experience. Sometimes the sense of abiding might get a little bit drifty. Observing brings us kind of closer in to meet experience. And yet that observing, when I say close in, sometimes it might make us think that it means focusing down looking at something small. And yet that that observing can also meet vastness. can know not only precise sensations, but also, for instance, something like the state of calm or ease in the mind or something like spaciness. And so this observing can know experience. And then the next part, observing the body as a body, feelings as feelings, mind as mind. I'm just going to explore this right now through the frame of body, just to keep it simple in this moment. And so, In this context, in this part, when we're looking at the body, this phrase, to me, it's like we observe the body as a body. Again, it's kind of got that self-referencing quality to it that makes you wonder, what on earth is that saying anyway? So I I think of this as the, the body is what we observe, and as a body, is how we observe it. How we explore it. So this, in some ways, brings in an aspect of wisdom, of understanding. It points to that body sensation are happening. Body sensations are happening. There is a body 
And this experience is happening in the present moment. So knowing that there is a body, observing it as a body, not as me, not as some identity or who I am, but just this is a body. Kind of simple. Noticing an effect that this is just an impersonal process. This points to me that the Buddha is encouraging us, or this teaching is encouraging us to look at our human experience. All humans have bodies. And so this is an encouragement to to notice the, the humanness of our experience. What is the actual experience of the body in this moment? Perhaps vibration, pulsing, pressure, tingling, maybe some movement. Often we relate to the body through ideas. We would relate to my hand or my foot or my shoulder or my knee and not so much through direct sensations. To me, this is the encouragement here is to open to the experience, in this case of body, the present moment experience, direct lived experience. In a way, in terms of the body, looking at the body as a body, we get curious, how does this body present itself to this mind. How, do, how, how, does, how, how does the body know itself? The body doesn't know itself through foot and hand. And the language of the body is at this different level. The language of the body isn't in concepts. It's in more elemental sensation level of experience. And so this begins to encourage a a curious, non-interfering kind of awareness. This this curiosity of, of observing the body as a body. Observing the body. Abide, abide observing the body as a body. Abide observing the body in and of itself. So these two words paired with each other, abides observing, they kind of point to those two poles of ways of practice that the that guilt spoke about this morning this receptive kind of receiving mode and this directed attending to mode
abides kind of evokes more the receptive mode and observing evokes more this directing, paying attention to something in particular. And these can be different forms of practice. We can settle back and receive experience. And that's one way of practicing to not choose to direct the attention to particular areas of experience, but more settle back and receive what's there, what's, what's obvious in this moment. And in that way, we can look at these various areas that are described in the Satipatthana Sutta as being descriptions of what might be experienced. When you settle back and receive, you might notice the body as a body. You might notice feelings as feelings. You might notice mind states happening in the present moment. And so there's a way that this teaching of observing can also be more of a a description of what's possible to observe and not necessarily that we have to choose to direct our attention to particular areas of experience. That's one way to look at this text as a very uh, receptive pointing. And then there's the other, the other um, possibility and other forms of practice actually choose or direct the attention choosing to observe the breathing in the body as a place to ground the attention and to cultivate this capacity for mindfulness, directing the attention, planting the attention in the breath, as Gil said this morning. That's also a a way of practicing. So I want to talk about this a little bit right now, this kind of interweaving of these two And so I want to mention first that this, to me, brings in two different aspects of our minds, these, uh, these different forms of receiving and directing. So mindfulness, it seems to me, is more of a receptive kind of quality. When it's established, it's knowing what's here. There's another function of the mind called attention, which picks experience to notice. And that factor of attention can function in different ways. So attention is the capacity of our mind to connect with something, attend to something. So right now I can encourage you and just suggest maybe attend to the experience of your hands. Notice the sensations in your hands. And that's using this factor of attention, directing the attention. Maybe now attend to the field of hearing for a few moments. Directing the attention, we can do that. This factor of attention is an interesting factor in the mind. It's, uh, it's amenable to our, uh, our, what we'll call will, a sense of agency, a choice that we make. 
we can choose, I'd like to pay attention to the breath right now and direct the attention, at least for maybe a breath or two, we can choose that. And so there is a, a kind of, uh, this factor of attention is amenable to conscious control. We can choose. And yet this factor of attention is understood to always be functioning, whether or not we're consciously choosing something to pay attention to. If we're not consciously choosing something to pay attention to, essentially the momentum of our habits, of our mind, of what's been cultivated, is choosing something for us to pay attention to. And I'll give an example of this. So if you lose mindfulness, you know, if you're, if you're um, you know, just spaced out, walking around the property, so you're not particularly aware or mindful, consciously aware or mindful. And yet you're walking around and you're not running into cars and you're not like bumping into the stairs and tripping over things. And so there's something paying attention. Not that you're consciously doing that, but attention is happening. And so this points to some extent to this distinction between these two qualities of, of awareness, of mindfulness and attention. And so, and also of this, the, the nature of attention that we can choose to pay attention, but we also don't have to choose to pay attention. The mind will pay attention to something. And in some ways this points to uh, the, some of the ways that these two practices can differ. Because what it, uh, at one point, early in my practice, I thought that being mindful meant that I was choosing what to pay attention to. And so being mindful meant I was choosing to pay attention to something and was staying with it. But that's the factor of attention. The factor of mindfulness is just this, this establishment of awareness, this, this aware of what's here. We can be aware that the attention is shifting. We can kind of settle back and, you know, in this moment, just relax in this moment and and to check in, what's most obvious right now in this moment? What's most obvious? Maybe it's the sound of my voice. Maybe it's seeing. Maybe it's some body sensation. There's something that awareness is aware of in a moment. And we don't have to choose what to be aware of. We can rest and cultivate this capacity for this being present without choosing what a attention connects to. This is what I would call more of a pure open awareness or a pure receptive awareness practice. We settle back and just receive instead of choosing what to pay attention to. And then there's the other side where we we decide, we choose, I'd like to see if I can cultivate this attention with the breath. 
And as Gil mentioned, I think this morning, he might have said it last night, that there may be this possibility also of blending these two. That it's not either or. It doesn't have to be either or. And that there, is, there might be the possibility of exploring, being curious about a particular area of experience, such as the body or the breath, kind of attuning to that area of experience. And then receiving what's happening there. And so that's kind of like the, when I talked about the, the walking meditation, the step taking a step and kind of being being there for the step, but receiving the sponge-like nature of the step. And so there's a directing of the attention, but a willingness to receive what's available to be received. And so in this moment, maybe choose to open to the field of hearing right now. Let the attention open to hearing. Then see, rather than listening, it's more like, what sounds come to you? Receiving the sounds. So in this way, there can be this kind of blending of choosing an area to attend to, and then settling back and receiving what's there. And so one abides observing the body as a body. You just take this field, there is a body. And then what's obvious? What's received? Explore the possibility of stepping back and not going to look for things, try to find something, not searching, but just what comes into awareness. It's receptive. It's blending of abiding and observing. Right there in that, those two words This teaching blends these practices. And then there's the word ardent, abides, observing the body as a body, ardent, fully aware and mindful. I mean, this word ardent brings in the alertness, the energetic side of practice. And so again, there, again this, 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 this sentence brings in so many different contrasts and encourages us to explore not either or, but what might it mean to abide with ardency, relax and alert. Relaxation and alertness are not actually opposites. And so this quality or this 
aspect of ardency to me evokes kind of a persistence, a gentle persistence, a commitment, a wholeheartedness, a wholehearted interest in experience, connection to experience. It also brings in this quality or aspect of continuity of practice, of this gentle persistence. So this morning I pointed to a light touch of effort in the walking practice. Just enough effort to be present for a couple steps. Can you receive these two steps and then do it again and again and again? Or with the breath, how much effort right now, how much effort effort does it take to know an in-breath or an out-breath? Just, just an in-breath. Can you be there for an in-breath? Just light effort. It doesn't take that much effort to be there for an in-breath. Or to be present, like right now, maybe touch in the sensations of your hands. How hard is that? Just to connect to that. That level of effort and connecting is what's necessary. Our commitment has to be to do it again and again and again and again and again. And that again and again and again, our minds tend to pick that up and get heavy. The effort is actually pretty light. It's the idea that I have to keep doing it that feels heavy. But in a moment, it's so light. Just enough effort for an in-breath. Just enough effort for an out-breath. And if it, if it starts to feel like in-breath, out-breath, in-breath, I have to keep doing this for 45 minutes, that's a thought. That thought is creating something in the mind that is kind of bringing a contraction and may create a sense of kind of pressing into, okay, I have to stay in breath, out breath, in breath, out breath. Instead of just, oh, in breath. And again, out breath. In breath, out breath. And of course the mind will lose it. It'll get lost. And the art, the delicacy of the relationship in the moment when mindfulness returns, not to kind of clamp down and say, oh, I was lost, I have to drag the mind back. But just, oh, aware again. Is there an in-breath or an out-breath? Letting the, the breath kind of come into awareness, as Gil said this morning.
Then there's another quality that to me is implied by several of the words in this phrase. One abides, observing the body as a body, ardent, fully aware and mindful, setting aside covetousness and grief for the world. And that is a kind of an attitude of allowing our experience to be just as it is. Cultivating an allowing attitude towards whatever is happening. In some ways this comes into the word abide, that resting back, receiving, and being willing to receive, accept what is offered in a way that word abide might have that sense of accept what's offered, allow what's offered. I think it also comes into the, the phrase observing the body as a body. Just noticing this is what's happening in the moment. Allowing the body to be a body without wanting to change it or fix it or hold on to any part of it. It's like this is the body in this moment. And so this allowing attitude brings in a quality of kindness, of love, into how we attend to experience. We could almost call it loving awareness. Kind attention, kind awareness. It feels like such an important part of our practice of mindfulness, this cultivation of an allowing attitude. We are opening to the entirety of our experience. The fullness of whatever is happening in this body and mind. All parts of ourselves. No part left out. Essentially seeing, witnessing, meeting, whatever is arising. This meeting or witnessing or being with whatever is arising is such an act of love. You know, even think about what we want if we want somebody to love us. And we want to be seen. We want to be seen for the whole, whole mess of ourselves. We would like to be seen unconditionally. And this uh, quality of allowing or loving awareness brings that capacity into our own hearts for ourselves and will essentially allow us to also expand that allowing heart connection to others as well. In some ways, and I, I think of this practice of wise mindfulness as being opening to 
belonging to ourselves. It's another way we think of being loved is belonging. And yet so much of what happens in our own hearts and minds we separate from. And so this begins to kind of kind of heal some of those divisions in our own hearts to belong to ourselves, open to allow what's here. This allowing quality isn't about agreeing or disagreeing with what is happening. So there may be you know, something arising in the mind, some, uh, some kind of reactivity arising in the mind. And it's not, it's not about, at one point I was doing walking, walking around my neighborhood and, and uh, at some point I realized I was resisting. I was doing it for my health and I was about a mile and a half away from my house and I was like really resisting doing this walking. And um, I, I was exploring being aware of what was happening. I noticed the resistance. And I noticed in that, I noticed in that that there was this trying to convert this resistance to non-resistance. I was trying to, in, in exploring the allowing in some ways, I was, I was mistaking that for kind of thinking, well, in order to be doing what I'm doing, I have to want to be doing it. I have to not be resisting it. And yet the wisdom came in to recognize, oh, well, you're, you're walking and you're resisting. That's what's happening right now. Wow, that was so much easier than trying to convert resistance to non-resistance. It's just like, oh yeah, that's what's happening. Resistance is happening in this moment. And so we don't have to convert resistance to acceptance. Or we don't have to, to, to change what's happening in our minds. Allowing is really about opening to what is happening in the present moment as being something that is already happening. That resistance was already there. And the mind, as it came into alignment with that, it's like, oh, resistance, that's what's happening. Well, then there was, there was less resistance because I was no longer resisting the resistance. And there was much more ease. And so this is an exploration of opening to what's here, this allowing. And yet it's not always possible to just say to oneself, you know, well, I, yeah, I'm going to allow what's here, you know. Sometimes, as in that case, I couldn't say I'm going to, I could allow the resistance, but I couldn't just say, oh yeah, walking, that's what's happening. Allowing that and being fully okay with that. But it was kind of like stepping back and recognizing, well, there's, there's this walking and there's the resistance. And I can allow that. And this is a little bit of an art also in our practice to begin to explore. Okay, so there's something happening. There's anger arising and there's frustration that there's anger arising. 
You want to be able to really just meet what's arising, and and yet the mind is kind of struggling with the with it with frustration and maybe some fear. Can all of that be recognized and allowed? Yes, there's anger and there's frustration and there's fear. So we explore allowing the not allowing, allowing resistance, allowing pushing away. What does that look like? Sometimes we can just drop that possibility in. Oh, it feels like I don't like this. Okay, well, not liking is happening. Can that be okay? Do I have to convert it to liking? No. This unpleasant thing is happening and not liking is happening. Okay. That's what's happening. So this allowing aspect of experience, allowing aspect of this practice, cultivating that quality that our mindfulness can meet what's arising. This points back to what I said at the beginning that that quality of allowing is what lets us recognize what's arising in the present moment as something arising in the present moment. Anger is happening. Knowing that anger is happening in the present moment. Peace or ease is happening. Knowing that peace or ease is happening in the present moment. Allowing what's arising to be known, to be held in this awareness. This creates the conditions for learning to start to happen. Because what happens here as we begin to explore these different experiences, in particular exploring exploring difficult states of mind, our minds begin to recognize through this ability to hold and allow, oh, this is what the experience of anger is. Oh, this is the experience of frustration. Oh, this is the experience of love. As we get familiar in the present moment with these different qualities in the mind, our system begins to clearly recognize maybe at a very, you know, kind of basic or rudimentary level, something like, wow, anger hurts. Anger is not well-being in the moment. Calm, ease, peace. This feels like well-being in the moment. And so our mind begins to recognize and discern, understand, what is onward leading towards more ease and peace and happiness, and what is contracting the heart, what's pushing away ease and peace and happiness. And so this perspective of allowing kind attention, 
abiding, observing, creates the conditions for the mind to start to learn and understand what leads to happiness and well-being, deep well-being, not our familiar habitual kind of well-being of getting something that we want and holding on to it or getting rid of something that we don't want, but a more abiding kind of well-being and happiness. So let's just sit for a moment. <laughs> 